Real. Intimate. You are now tuned into Bonnets and Durags, a Pillow Talk podcast. I'm your host, Via Simone. Let's get into it. Work that Pillow Talk, girl. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Bonnets and Durags, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Um, for those of you who have never heard of Bonnets and Durags before, but you were sent this episode, you know, from a friend or, you know, from a loved one, or you just kind of happened to stumble across it randomly, Bonnets and Durags, a Pillow Talk podcast is where we have open and intimate conversations with millennials of color. So, you know, we talk about everything under the sun. You know, we talk about like the nuances between like dating and relationships, but also the importance of like mental health and wellness and finance and education and sex and friendship. Like, literally, it runs the gamut. But this platform was created as a safe space for Black people, for Black people to feel understood, to feel comfortable to feel supported, to feel seen, to feel heard. Like I created this because that was something that I saw a a gap in and I wanted to fill that void. I wanted to be able to create a platform so people could feel uplifted and um, supported in the things that they felt and said and, you know, how they were living their lives. So that is why Bonnets and Durags is here. And, you know, the pillow talk aspect is um, pretty self-explanatory. I'm talking about the fact that you are, like, just imagine yourself with your bonnet or your durag on and you're laid up in bed, but there's somebody next to you or, like, you're at a sleepover and you guys aren't on your phones and you guys are just really engaging in dialogue, meaningful dialogue, fun dialogue, like, you're just hella comfortable. Like, I just like, just thinking about it, I'm just being reminiscent of like the times that like I have had sleepovers with girlfriends or, you know, like me and my man are laid up in bed. Like I miss, like, I love those things. I miss those things. And I wanted to kind of recreate that situation and recreate that setting in an audio vibe. Um, yeah, that's that's why Bonnets and Durags exists. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you you love the content. I hope that you share the content. Um, and you know, if there's ever anything that like you think that we should talk about on the platform, you know, feel free to hit me up on social media. My personal at name is Via Simone. It's on Instagram, it's via VIA dot Simone. And on Twitter, it's via Simone underscore. You can hit me up directly, you know, share your feedback or share your suggestions. Or even if you just want to send me a love note, that's amazing. Also make sure that you follow us on social media as well. Bonnets, do rags, no and. So it's B-O-N-N-E-T-S-D-U-R-A-G-S on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you know, follow us there hit us up there. And also you can check out our website, which is bonnetsanddurags.com, B-O-N-N-E-T-S-A-N-D-D-U-R-A-G-S.com. And you can look at everything that pertains to the podcast, um, me, the creator, the event, um, the merch, like all of that. So yeah, let's get into this episode. 
What's going on, world? It's your girl, Simone, and you are now tuned into episode 401 of Bonnets and Durags, a Pillow Talk podcast. I have not said that in a long time, <laughs> and I'm really sorry. Um, yeah, a lot has changed in this world, in my life, since we last spoke in November 2019. Um this is going to be my first solo episode that I've ever done for the show. Um, and I'm kind of excited about it. Kind of excited, kind of nervous, but I kind of want to jump on here to kind of just give like an update on everything that's been going on in my world, you know, kind of doing a temperature check with everyone else, making this kind of like a conversational kind of episode. Um, because yeah, a lot has happened, yo, like a lot. So I hope that you are ready to dive in. I hope that you are excited as as excited as I am to kick off season four. Um, it's taken me some time to even get here because, you know, with scheduling and work and life craziness and then coronavirus, like it has completely set me back from the plans that I initially had to launch the season in March. Like I kid you not, I had a a studio session scheduled. I believe it was March 17th with my homegirls. And on the 16th is when the entire world shut down and everyone was like, work from home, social distance, six feet. And we were all just kind of like, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's just do this another time. And, you know, I kind of let that moment just kind of slip away. I just was like, okay, well, all right, guess I'm not going to do this right now. And I kind of put it off. Um, but I'm here and that's all that matters. I'm here. I'm starting it back. I'm going to work on my consistency. I'm going to work on, you know, delivering this content. So please bear with me <laughs> as I go through all of this, especially during this time of like change and transition. But I'm excited for this. Um, so let's get started. So I actually wanted to start off today's episode with a quote that I've seen on Instagram. Gotta love IG, man. Like, gotta love it. Always with the inspirational posts and the posts that drag you and you didn't even know that you needed to be dragged. But Maddie James at the Maddie James on Twitter said, so many of us are trying to show up perfect instead of showing up present and it's costing us purpose. And when I read that, I felt that in my spirit because I felt like I, I feel like I spend so much time putting myself in a, in a, a space where I'm like, okay, Simone, like, you know that you want to do this, but you want to execute it this way. Like you need to have this in order. You need to have that in order. You need to have this person. You need to bring in to bring them into this. You, like, I just, I have so many like thoughts around how to execute stuff that a lot of my ideas just remain in the ideation phase and they don't really, you know, go anywhere from there. Like I have a, a notepad full of ideas and notes on my phone. I swear to God, like this shit is precious. It's precious. And I just look at it from time to time and I'm just like, yo fam, like, what are you, like, what? This is genius. What, what's stopping you? Why, why have you not done this yet? Um, so I'm like it, a lot of this time during quarantine has been me dragging myself and me understanding that like, you know, you have lived a, an extremely busy life and it is by no fault that like 
God has put you in this position to be on pause and to kind of reflect and reevaluate everything that has been going on, the blessings that, you know, I've been given and just kind of taking a moment to kind of just like collect myself and stop putting so much pressure on myself to conduct things in a timely fashion, in a perfect fashion. Like that's just not it. Like that's not it. So the way that I interpreted this is the fact that like, just, just show up, like just do it do it scared, do it broke, do it fearless, do it with no money. That's broke. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. And I had like a really like empowering conversation with my two homegirls today. Um, um, One of them had asked the other, you know, if you had to like switch careers or if you had a dream career, actually, like what would your dream role be? And she had mentioned you know, like speaking, being a mental health advocate and, you know, helping everyone out. And I, it like really got my wheels turning on like, you know, what would I do if, you know, if I were to switch careers or, you know, if I weren't to work in marketing and advertising anymore, what would that be? And like, I don't know why lately I've been drawn to like education. Like I was like, you know, maybe I could be an early childhood teacher. Like I can see myself working with like kindergartners or first graders. Like I love kids, but I hate school. So it's also kind of like one of those things where it's like, I don't want to go back to school. Do I want to teach school? And you know, like, is this something that I really, really want to do? Or do I just like the concept of like affecting change in communities, especially communities of color and especially you know, young individuals who are at an impressionable age. So my friend had made me realize, she was like, you know, maybe it's not education because that might feel like, you know, maybe not stifling. She, she didn't say stifling, but this is how I interpreted it. Like she was essentially trying to say like, you know, don't box yourself in into a classroom. Like your impact can be much larger than, you know, a classroom full of 30 kids. Like maybe you can like start like mentoring youth or like, Um, what did she say? Like start doing like podcast content or audio content, like with parents and children. I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, this is like, that sounds great, but I don't even have that experience as of right now. I'm not a parent. I'm not a mom. I'm not a wife. So I can't even speak to those things, but it definitely got me thinking about like, you know, what a career pivot could look like for me. Um, especially during this time, it's, something that's been at top of mind because I work in the media industry and I'm very fortunate and grateful to be at a company that is, um, you know, very strong and very secure and knock on wood. Um, And I haven't, you know, been in a position where my my job has been compromised or I've been laid off or furloughed or anything. But a lot of my friends and acquaintances in the media industry have. And it's like low-key scary because it's like, bruh, like what? Like, you, you just never know where it's coming from, when it's coming, how, you know, you will be impacted by this. And it's just kind of like, it's really unsettling. So, yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to come on here to just kind of like vent. So bear with me, y'all. Um, I'm going to take you through the stages of <laughs> of my life because I don't think that I've, I've ever done that. Um, on this show. Like when I'm doing interviews with people, I might like jump in and be like, oh yes, like 
I feel that so much, or, you know, I've been through that too. Like I kind of just interject, but like I pride myself on being able to create a safe space for my guests to be expressive and to share their stories and to feel like they aren't being judged. And because I just see how delighted and how like enthusiastic and how, you know, in, like involved they are in the conversation and sharing their story that I don't, I don't want to interrupt that. Like who am I to be like, Oh, let me tell you this. Let me tell you, like, you know, like I just don't want to, to make anyone feel small. I don't want to interrupt anyone. I don't want any, I don't want to come off as rude or anything like that. But um, one of my really good friends, Skip, like made, made a point. Um, and he had mentioned to me, like, you know, like, you know, these are, these episodes are great, but like, you, we don't know you like talk about you. And that's always been like one of my like biggest fears. And I, I really, I don't know why, but I think that like, you know, during this time of like self-reflection and just kind of looking back on the things that I've done and, you know, where I want to go and what I want to be known for and how I want to impact people. I realized that like, you know, I don't, I don't share that much. I, as a Pisces, I, you know, I'm very coveted. I'm very, secretive. I, it's just, it's just my MO. Like, that's just me. Like I have mastered the, the art of sharing just enough information with people for people to think that they really know me, but I literally have only given them like the surface level of who I am. And I know that probably trips some people up, but it's kind of like, that's just, that's just how I protect myself. That's how I protect my heart, my feelings, my mind. Um, yeah, that's just, that's just who I am. So yeah, I, um, decided to do this episode to kind of like talk about myself and talk about the things that have been going on with me and, you know, how I even got here. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. I feel like not even trying to like toot my own horn, but like, my story is pretty extensive and anyone who's like been following me for a really long time or is close with me knows that like I came from upstate New York, like Albany. And in 2017, there was an opportunity for me to move to the city and move in with some roommates. And I told myself like, all right, well, I don't really want to move to New York, but if I get a job, I will. And I wasn't, I was just BS. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna apply for this little job. But I really, y'all, I really went to go to grad school. Like you couldn't tell me nothing. I was going to Georgetown. I was going to Georgetown. I was getting in, I was going to do my master's degree in integrated marketing communications and become a marketing manager, an integrated marketing manager after school. Um, and you know, that's just, that's just where my mind was. I wanted to move. I knew I wanted to move. I wanted to move to DC. I love the DMV area. And I just was like, yep, this is it. So I'm doing. And God was like, hold on, listen, you taking the easy way. Uh-uh. I'm gonna put you over here. And he granted me with an opportunity, a job opportunity in New York, but what it was, and I feel like I've told this story so many times, but like, I'll just say it again for any like new listeners or anything like that, or people who have, may have not heard this story before, but it was a job opportunity working as a receptionist. And mind you, I had been working two and a half years as a communications coordinator, like back home. And how humbling was that? Like for someone to call me back and be like, yeah, you know, we're we're hiring for this receptionist role. I'm like, sis, do you, 
do you know what? Like, what? Do you know who I am? I have this this PR experience. I, you know, I pitch um, national like publications. I have my degree. Like, what? But like, you know, obviously I didn't say those things. I just was like, oh yeah, for sure, I'll come in. Like, you know, I'm I'm not stank. Like, I'm not I'm not egotistical. Uh, but it, it was definitely trying, and it definitely challenged me to suppress my ego in going for the interview. And literally, I knocked that out of the park. They loved me and they offered me the job. I want to say either that that afternoon or the next morning, but I, I had an important decision to make. I was like, listen, Simone, like if you are going to move out of your parents' house and move to one of the biggest cities in the world and, you know, take on this job, this has to be a chess move for you. You have to look at it as a chess move. So I moved to New York with the mindset of like, okay, you're going to be a receptionist for six months at this ad agency because it was a really dope ad agency. Um, and I was like, you know, I originally wanted to be an assistant account executive anyway. So get your foot in the door, open them doors for the CEO and the CMO and whoever, make acquaintances with people um, in the, the company, talk to HR about your career growth, and you will be a double AE in no time. So at my three-month mark, I had a conversation. They asked me, you know, what my career goals were. I told them I wanted to get into the the brand side of things. I wanted to be a double AE. And the HR rep was like, I'm going to be honest with you. You would have to take a $10,000 pay cut to do that. And I was like, hold on. No way that an administrative role like this it is making more than the people who are at the doing the the work at the ground level on building these brands up coming like you know creating the the presentation decks doing like press runs and doing drop offs and all this stuff no way that i'm making $10,000 more than them and so when she told me that it was my reality i quickly had to think of like another way to pivot. And it's like, okay, Simone, this isn't the route that you are going to take to get to where you ultimately want to go. Where I ultimately wanted to go was digital marketing. And I told myself that I would work in digital marketing and I wanted to work for a black owned company. And I wanted to do like content editorial branded content stuff. And then within like maybe a month of like manifesting that, doing research on that, looking at um, different jobs in those areas, I got a call back to, um, for a position for a content marketing specialist, which is the home of like Bossip and Global Grind and Madame Noir and Hip Hop Wired and, you know, all those other brands. And when I, you know, I aced the interview, I got the job and like in six months I was promoted to marketing manager. And honestly, as I'm, I'm going to be real with y'all, <laughs> working for a black owned company is exactly what you think it is. Um, it was really fun. I like, I made some like really good friends, but it was like recess. It honestly felt like recess. It felt like I was coming into work and I wasn't doing shit. Like, I'm a year old y'all was doing shit. <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting that. But like, I mean, I like I did work. I'm not going to say I say I didn't do nothing. I wasn't, this wasn't wage theft. So please don't, don't arrest me or take me to court. It wasn't wage theft. It was just like the volume of work was so low that like I could do my work within like the first couple of hours of the day 
And the rest of the day, like, we were chilling. Like, we would chill in, like, a, a huddle room or, like, an artist would come in. Like, so many, like, artists used to come through the, the building. And so, like, we would go, like, in the studio with them and, like, get little, like, social clips for, like, you know, our social accounts. Or, like, an artist might have, like, a listening party, like, I think I want to say Robin Thicke came in and did a listening party with the entire company. And I think I want to say, if I remember right, there was like wine, there was snacks. I was like, yo, what? Like we all just like literally stopped what we were doing and went to the listening party. But like, I'm getting off on a tangent, but I'm, <laughs> I'm only saying that to say that like, you know, I was really excited to work for a black owned company uh, because I, you know, I wanted to be in a professional space where I was working with my people doing work that that mattered to my people that my people were interested in, but it, it just wasn't really moving the dial. Like I had hoped it would. Um, and a lot of it was, you know, politics of course, but then, you know, lack of budget, lack of being able to do what we really could and, and affect the change that we really wanted to. Like, it just just wasn't happening. And then, you know, um, my boss at the time left abruptly, and then we didn't have a manager for a couple of months. And the new manager we had was a little shady, and I remember I got an argument with him, and I never argue. I never, I'm, that's not the kind of professional that I am. But I told him about himself in a meeting, and by the grace of God, I got a, a job offer like a couple of days after that because I was like, if I don't leave on my own, they will pack my stuff up for me and tell me, yes, yeah, well, your time is done here. But I just, I was outgrowing the, the company. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was really like, you know, doing anything that was like monumental. There were like a couple of projects that I worked on that I was like really excited about, but so I'm not going to say that I didn't do anything, but I just was like, no, like there's, there's gotta be something else. There's gotta be more. And so I applied for a job at, and I got that job. Um, but to be transparent and I just quote unquote celebrated my one year anniversary on the sixth, it's, I realized that I took that job opportunity out of safety. It was it was a, a a safe move for me because it was a role that I was very familiar with. I already knew how to do the work. It wasn't really going to challenge me in the ways that I I knew that I wanted to be challenged. But I was like, okay, someone. But you know, like again, chess move. You get in the foot. You get your foot in the door. You work for. Then you know, there the opportunities are probably endless. Like this is like like don't even worry about this, sis. But it just was, it's just not the experience that, you know, I, I was hoping for, looking for as a digital marketer, especially as a digital marketer who's trying to grow in her, in her field, in her, in her career. Um, I've had some, like, to, to not, you know, divulge too much because I still am employed. I've had some really unfortunate situations happen to me within the workplace. And once I, once I leave, I will share them with you. I'm not going to share them right now. Um, but just know that it is very, very important for you to one, document everything, 
to stand up for yourself in any instance that you you need to, in any instance that you can, be your own advocate. And it's also really important to identify like a network of people who can be an ally to you, who can advocate for you, or just like just having like a, a group of work friends that you feel like you, you know, if you're having a rough day, you can kind of like pour into them or like they can pour into you and you just kind of have like that support system. Like those are three things that I've learned in the entire year that I have been at the company. Um, and I can just say like, and I say this to my girlfriends all the time, like, if it wasn't for them, I would have left a long time ago. <laughs> and like, but it just it just goes to show you how like valuable and how important like connectivity with like your your colleagues is, your colleagues is. Um yeah, I just like thank God for them. Like I don't even need to drop names because it's like 25 of them. And like, I, like, they know it, they know we have a group chat going, like, it's just, they're just incredible. And I'm just like, so, so very grateful. And, you know, I, I have a new boss now. Um, and she's been really incredible for me and, you know, things have been looking up and, you know, all of these changes have happened within the quarantine time too. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's some other changes that has happened that have happened too. Um, <laughs> since we last spoke in November, I was in a relationship, and I actually did an episode with the person I was in a relationship with. But we are no longer together, and I have been like toying with the idea of like speaking on this publicly, um, just because it's like one nobody's business. But two, like, there are so many lessons that I've learned from the relationship that, like, I would be remiss not to share. Um, I'm not going to get into the details of, like, you know, how things ended. But what I can say, though, is when you're in a relationship with somebody and, you know, you have great moments, of course, cherish those moments, but pay attention to the moments when they're not great, when you are arguing, when you're frustrated, when you're sad, when you're upset, when you're mad, when you're screaming at each other, like really pay attention to those moments because they, they speak volumes to the temperament of the relationship. Um, also too, what's really important that I kind of have been like, you know, discovering like while in this quarantine during this shutdown is compatibility and codependency. So like one thing I can say is just because that, just because you are attracted to someone and you have the same humor and you enjoy the same things, you like the same food, doesn't necessarily mean that you're compatible. And, you know, I am, and I'm not saying this in a way to be offensive at all to anyone or, you know, put myself up or put another person down or anything like that. But there are just things in life that, you know, I find value in and things that I aspire to have and, you know, places that I want to be that, you know, they, during the relationship it was really hard to, to understand or see if, he wanted those things too. Um, and if he did want those things, 
I just felt like, you know, I was pulling teeth trying to, you know, understand, you know, where we were going or how we were going to attain those things. Um, so I can say I did spend a lot of the the time in the relationship trying to push him, trying to motivate him, trying to mold him, trying to groom him, trying to help him grow, trying to hold his hand, trying to steer the way. And as a woman, I can, I can say this with my chest, you cannot raise a man at all. Like that, that is not your job. That is not your responsibility. You are not supposed to be your partner's mother. And I realized when I look back on the relationship, I look, I realized that like, I spent so much time mothering him and I didn't even realize it. Like what I was doing or what I thought I was doing was trying to be as helpful as positive as possible. And it, I guess it's, you know, sometimes it it came off as like me being naggy or me being difficult in, you know, in those moments, I don't look at it as that. I don't see it as that. But when I look back and reflect, I'm thinking like, Simone, this was this was not your responsibility. People make time for what they want to make time for. People do what they want to do. People will go after what they want to go after. And what I also can say, too, is you shouldn't be so worried about what a person is not doing, because when you express that to them, uh, they likely heard you the first time. There's no reason why you should be frustrated with repeating yourself over and over again. And I, and I, to be totally transparent, I felt like a broken record in the relationship. And it just really just made me feel like we were just on two different life paths. Um, as 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 a planner, as someone who has an imaginary by like a biological clock. I've put a lot of pressure on myself and, you know, whoever my partner may have been or whoever my partner is or will be to, to fit this, this idea of like, okay, you want to buy a house by 30. So that means that you, you want to be in a relationship by a serious relationship by 26, 27. And, you know, from there, you both are working on building your savings and you are thinking about buying a home. So, you know, you are, you two are on this rigorous savings plan, but, oh, you want to travel too, because you want to live life and experience life before you settle down. So you got to save money to travel. And, you know, once you do all those things, great. You know that you want to marry this person. You know, what does that look like? Like, is he saving up for a ring? Am I saving up for the wedding? What, like, you know, what does that look like? Where, where, where are we doing it? Oh, we want to have kids. Oh, great. Like, I, I want to have kids too. I want to have lots of them. Like, where are we raising them? What does the house look like? What, what school district are we ra- bringing them to or raising them in or putting them in? You know, like, that's just like, call me crazy, but like, that's just how my mind is wired. That's how it's always been wired and not trying to blame anybody, but like, that's to the fault of my parents because they lived, they live, they lived this very cookie cutter lifestyle. It's always been a, you go to school to get your education and your degree 
to get a good job so you can get a, a nice home and raise a beautiful family. It's always been an A plus B plus C plus D equals E with them. And I've just always been so ingrained to just work toward that, work toward the prize. That's what it is. That's what I'm doing. That's where I'm going. And there were a lot of times in the relationship where, you know, we would we would get in arguments about about the future. Like, and that's like to me, that sounds crazy, but it's like that was the reality. And I just remember having conversations, early conversations about like where I wanted, what I wanted to do, how I wanted to settle down, and just being like, yeah, I want to settle down in the DMV. I want to get a home. I want this kind of car. I want this many kids and uh, like all this stuff. And him just being like, mm, you know, I don't. Like, I don't want to move to the DMV. And me being like, what do you mean? Like, what? It's so beautiful down there. Like, what? Like, what? Like, just being frustrated at the fact that, like, my person wasn't getting in line with what I wanted in my life. <laughs> Excuse me. And I just was kind of like, what? Like, what? Like, are you kidding me? And it wasn't until, like, a couple of arguments in about the same topic then I was like, Simone, you're not being, you're not even really listening to him about like what he wants or like where he wants to settle down or what he wants to do. And so then I started, you know, kind of backing off and asking, but the point of frustration would lie in the fact that like when I would ask, he was uncertain. And it's like, all right, bro, I can't operate off of uncertainty now. Like you have to give me something to work with. You have to like I am of the mind that I want I want to be able to know that I can build towards something. I, I want to build towards something. I am not asking for my partner to be 100%. I am not asking for my partner to be loaded, to be rich, to have it all together. Because it, I realize as an adult, it is unfair of me to ask, ask those things of a partner if I'm not there. But I can tell you one thing, and I'm going to toot my horn. I got a lot going on. I have a lot going on for myself. I I bring a lot to the table and you know, I am worthy of having someone or being with someone who can match that same energy. And uh, again, this is not to bash this person at all. This person knows that I still love them and I still care about them. I mean, we still regularly talk. You know, we essentially bowed out gracefully. There were, you know, some things that that came up that were problematic and offensive and hurtful. And, you know, we've addressed those things. But at the end of the day, this, this was somebody that, you know, I met just a couple of months moving to New York City and gravitated toward instantly and just felt like it felt a, a, an insane connection with. And, you know, like this person is my best friend. Like I, like, I can't deny that. I cannot sit here and, and pretend that like that bond wasn't there, that, you know, that like, you know, that I, I really like care about them and I care about their well-being. Like this is not a bashing at all. And I just want to make that known. Like, yeah, that, that's not what this is. This is just a point of reflection on the relationship 
where I went wrong, where he went wrong and, you know, how I can try. So how I at least can try to correct my behavior going forward. So I, I think from this, the biggest lesson that I pulled from this is oh, also to the codependency part. And this is like a new buzzword that I've heard in 2020. I know the word didn't just become a word this year, but I had never heard the phrase before. And when I was doing some research around it, it really identifies who I am, like as a person, <laughs> like it, drew, it like literally dragged me. It read me for even dirtier filth than like my own horoscope reading and my own like astrology chart. I was just like, what? Like what? Like hold on, you know, I like I have to, I have to bring it up. I have to like read some posts for reference because this honestly like brought so much light to me that like you know I want to be able to share this with y'all just in case like this is relevant for you too. So codependency is the chronic neglect of self in order to gain self uh, gain. Blah, blah, blah. Wow, excuse me. Codependency is the chronic neglect of self in order to gain approval, love, validation, or self-identity through another person. We learn codependency patterns through our family dynamics and... Why can't I read right now? (laughs) What? Okay. We learn codependency patterns through our family dynamics where there was an enmeshment, enmeshment, in enmeshment. Never heard this word before until I read this post the other day and I never read it aloud. So, okay, let's go. We're all learning together. Enmeshment is a term to describe a relationship where there is a lack of boundaries and the emotions of one family member is felt by all family members in repeated cycles. The result is the belief that we are responsible for the emotions of others a lack of authentic self, self only exists through the responses of another person, so that validation, chronic fear of how people will will respond to you, often labeled as social anxiety disorder. Hello, hi, I'm here. And, oh gosh, there's just like so much. Um, Having codependency patterns is nothing to be ashamed of. Most of us were raised in homes where family members focus on someone else, even if that person engaged in toxic behavior in order to get their emotional needs met. We learned and repeated this pattern. Um, So I'm just going to go ahead and list out the 11 things, um, the signs of codependency that I was like, wow, drag me. Okay. So one was low self-worth slash self-image. Two was people-pleasing, inability to say no, that is me. Lack of boundaries. Childlike fantasies that someone can save or fix your life. Mm. Chronic care taking as a distraction. Patterns of putting everyone before self. Absolutely, that is me. Emotional addiction, addicted relationships where there's a roller coaster cycle of repeated emotional experiences. My entire relationship. Um, inability to understand slash clearly communicate your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And this one really struck a nerve for me because I often feel like I'm not that articulate. And because I'm doubting myself on being articulate, 
I I get nervous, I stumble, I stutter, I I just blank. And it just it's frustrating because it makes me feel like, damn, Simone, like you know exactly how you feel and what you want to say, but you can just never formulate the words or the right wording to express it. And it just kind of makes me feel weak. So yeah. The eighth one is chronic fear of upsetting someone, the feeling of walking on eggshells around people. Yeah, that that was me. And that definitely was me in the relationship as well. Uh, That's me in general. That's me at work. (laughs) That's me with my family. That's me with my friends. Literally. Um, Nine was high emotional reactivity to life situations. Excuse me. Ten was controlling the behaviors of others to feel okay. And 11 is obsessive thinking about what other people think of you. Oh, that's me to the T. That is me. Most of my life traumatic situations have happened from me being so concerned about what kids at school think of me, kids at camp think of me, what boys think of me, what my friends think of me, what people who I thought were my friends think of me. It's just, it's really debilitating. It's really, really debilitating. Um, but some solutions on how to heal from codependency are, um, you know, setting boundaries with yourself and others, spending time alone, which, you know, I'm getting a ton of during this like lockdown, spend time doing something just for us, uh, creating, dancing, exploring, which I think is also really important. And I saw somebody tweet the other day too, like, let's bring hobbies back. Like everything that you find an interest and a passion in and become good at doesn't always need to be monetized. And that's something that like I have to unlearn, especially as like a creative and a marketer um, in this day and age. Like we just so often feel like, damn, I'm good at this. Is somebody going to pay me to do this? Oh, let's do it. And it doesn't always have to be that. And so that's not to say that like we shouldn't be monetizing our skills. Like, no, if you can get your coin because you are damn good at something, absolutely. But like, you know, let's, let's bring joy back into just being happy that you learned something new or you're really good at something and you just enjoy doing it. Like that's something that I want to dive into more. I am really, really passionate. No, I don't want to say passionate, but I really, really enjoy tennis um, not watching it, but playing it. And I like used to play like semi competitively from like ages seven to like 13. And I just stopped playing cold turkey when I was 13. And I went to high school and I entered into high school because I went to like a predominantly white school. And I just thought like, well, I'm a new girl in this school the last thing I'm going to do is play tennis so people can think that I'm a dweeb or like think that I'm not cool. Like I'm here to make friends. Like, I don't know what you thought this was, but I'm here to be cool. So (laughs) I just stopped. But like, I wish that I didn't because I really could be like a baby Serena right now. Like if I would have just stuck with it and played all throughout high school, I definitely probably would have got a full full ride to like Yukon or something like that. I don't know. But like, I mean, that's a dreamer in me like talking, but yeah, it's just, it just goes to show you that how like I let my codependency on what strangers, strangers, strange children thought of me before I even stepped foot into the building. So yeah. Um, 
The fourth one is spend time in inner inner reflection, which is absolutely what I've been doing. It says, you know, journaling, meditating, breathing. One thing that I have been doing lately is doing audio journals. So I literally have just been using my phone um, in the voice memos part and just kind of like speaking on like moments that have been happening in my life. And it could be a range of emotions. Um, But what I had been doing, you know, toward the beginning of like this quarantine is just kind of like, you know, doing these like little voice memo journals uh, when moments when I'm down and when I'm sad and I'm, you know, uncontrollably sobbing and I'm like completely mad. And I think it's good to get the raw emotion out. But I realized that like those aren't the only emotions that I experience. So I need to be highlighting um, and journaling moments of highs too. Like today I had a really, really awesome conversation with somebody in the industry that like I have been looking up to for like a really long time. And like I was just speaking to him about uh, like, you know, what I'm about and like, you know, what I've got going on and what I've been doing. And he was talking to me about, you know, what he's got going on and what the projects he's working on and um, you know, how many years he's been in the game and all this stuff. And like, it just was like such a healthy, like conversation. And like, at the end, he, he was like, you know, I'm very proud of you and the work that you do. And I'm like, what? you don't even, you don't even know me like that. But like, that meant the world to me for someone who has only really interacted with me on social media. Um, and somebody that like I told, like I just said, like I looked at too, and I'm like, oh my god, I want to be like you when I grow up. And you talking about something, you proud of me? Like what? Like that? But that literally like made my entire week, especially because I had like such a a rough day at work today. But I I only bring that up to say that like that was a moment that like I journaled my like my excitement from the conversation. And I just so that way I can keep track of like, you know, these moments of where I do feel supported or I do feel valued or I do feel competent. Like it's really important to highlight the highs too. Um, So yeah. And then the fifth one is learn what our needs are. Asking our inner child what we need, then practice meeting those needs. That one's really, really important. And um. It's something that like I've been thinking about for a while. Like what would what would eight-year-old Simone want? What would eight-year-old Simone, you know, want to see from a mentor? From like, you know, who would she admire? Who would she want to be? Who would she want to see? So that's definitely some work that I have to do within myself. Um, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of self-reflection that has been coming out of this quarantine. I also have been getting very acquainted with um, with God and the the word of the Lord and just kind of like revisiting um, my Christianity because, you know, my family, my family's Christian. My, both my parents grew up in the church, but like for some reason when they got married, when they got together, they just, they just completely uh, like abandoned it. And, you know, like they ain't heathens. So I'm not going to say that, but like they're the very type of like okay, we go to church on Easter type of people. And so like, you know, I have been very, very grateful to come across like a network of girls um, who I'm like really close with now. And like, they have like helped me introduce, like they, they've helped reintroduce me to to God. And, you know, just being able to pour into these, these 
devotionals and watch these sermons with uh, Pastor Michael Todd and and Pastor Sarah Jakes Roberts um, and Pastor Stephen Furlick and, you know, just being able to like have conversations, have meaningful dialogue about the things that we are are hearing and consuming and reading. Like it's been so, so powerful. And like, honestly, it's like, like low-key life-changing for me. Like I'm, I'm still on my path to strengthening my Christianity. I have been, you know, since I've been home, I've been attending every single sermon uh, for Transformation Church. Um, I just ordered um, a women's study Bible. Like I just, I just want to get more acquainted. I just feel like, you know, as a woman of God and as a woman who who looks to God, um, not only in, you know, my times of distress, but, you know, when I am very gracious and thankful for the blessings he's bestowed onto me, like, you know, I am living as that, like, how can I not be more acquainted with, with his guidance and his, and his rules and, you know, the things that he has, you know, the lessons he has taught us, um, through other people, like, yeah, that's that's just where I'm at. I'm just like, yo, let, like, let's get it. Like, I'm I'm ready. I'm like, Lord, take me. I'm ready. <laughs> like, I just like I'm like I'm so excited about it. And I mean, not to sound like this, but like it's one of those things where like uh, the other day I had tweeted how, um, you know, this wasn't the other day. This is like actually a couple weeks ago. I had tweeted that like I've always been a by the book type of bitch. And it's time that I live my life. And um, that's real. Like, I have lived my entire life living to please other people, following the rules that other people have put in place for me. And I never really, it wasn't until I was, until I probably moved to New York when I was 24, that I finally took a, a chance on myself and took one of the biggest risks that I could ever by moving to New York. Like, other than that, like, I've lived a very cookie cutter lifestyle. I've aspired to live a very cookie cutter lifestyle. Like, that's just, that's just how I am. That's how I've been. That's how I've been raised. That's how I've been groomed to be. And, you know, I, I think there, it's like a very blurred line for me between, you know, being, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of like, you know, having like plans and having goals and aspirations and, you know, trying to create this like formula for myself and for people that are around me to abide by. Like it just, it just don't work. It don't work. Um, and I feel like that is a, a major reason why, you know, my relationship didn't work out the way that I wanted it to because I I had this very succinct idea on like how I wanted us to build together. And I was really feeling like we weren't building toward anything. And, you know, we were building our our foundational love, but, you know, I, I felt like that wasn't enough. Like, of course, of course, that is the, the utmost best thing that you you can have and do 
and cherish in a relationship, but it's, I, I felt very like strongly on the fact that like, you know, relationships are more than just us like loving each other. Like it's, it's more than that. And, you know, I think that I, I focused too much on where we were headed and where, we, where, you know, like what our future was about and where we were going to be. And, you know, I'm not saying that like, you know, this is all my fault either. I'm also not going to say that. And I'm not going to say it was all his fault either, but it was just one of those things that made me realize like, okay, Simone, like enjoy your life. You do not have to live by the book with every single thing you do. Like it's the same thing with my career, like straight up, same thing with my career. I'm like, yo, if I go to grad school, I know for sure I'm going to get an um, integrated marketing manager role. Like, ain't no way they're going to let me be $150,000 in debt and not take this, this degree and this experience and not hire me. But I would read so many stories about people who would get two degrees or get a second degree and, you know, have a hard time looking for work. And it's it's just insane the fact that, like, the job that I was hired to do, the job that I'm doing now, I was trying to go to grad school for to attain. And I didn't have to go to grad school to get here. Literally, all it took was preparation, patience, persistence, and prayer. Like the four Ps, like straight up. That's all, that's really all it took. And you know, and I and I am very grateful to the people that like you know helped me helped me prepare to get there and and all of that. But like, like it's just it's it's just like wow. I'm I'm just thinking like wow, I did not need to put myself in a hole, in a in a in debt to to get to where I am right now. I think I just had a epiphany, a eureka moment right now. But yeah, sorry. I, <laughs> and that's not to say. That like, you know, if you are in in your like in your graduate degree program to get a, a marketing degree or any kind of like secondary degree, that's not to say quit. That's not to say stop. It's not worth it at all. Like I'm not saying that because at the end of the day, I also believe that like you all, anyone who's listening to this and you're in your master's program or you have attained your master's, you're already kind of ahead of the curve because I feel like the way that the the job market is going to go in the next couple of years is that it's going to say like a master's degree required. But I personally have told myself, I am not going to put myself in debt or stress myself out on my own dime. If the only time that I will go back to school, excuse me, the only time I will go back to school is if my company is like, yeah, we want to make you the director of the department, but we need you to have your master's degree first. All right, cool. Say less. Put me through the program so we can do this. Like that, like that's it. That's, that's literally my non-negotiable. Other than that, like I just, I literally have to let life take its course and run its course with me. Like I literally like, and it's, it's, of course, it's so interesting that like, I've come to this moment, this like, like eureka moment while we all lock down, we can't do shit. But like, I'm just like so excited for the world to open back up. Um, Just so I can like just live my life. And yeah, I just want to live my life. Um, 
I also would be remiss too to not make mention of the fact that like that we're not on lockdown just because we need to stay inside or like we don't want to go outside. This is a, a serious thing that has that has happened to our world that has shaken our world and shaken us all at our core. This is it's tragic, and I and I feel so terribly for so many people for the friends of mine who have lost friends and family members to the coronavirus, the friends of mine and the family members of mine who are working on the front lines, you know, as healthcare workers, the the people that are, you know, supporting us in like grocery stores and like fast food chains and, you know, transportation and all of that, like, like I literally, my heart goes out to you all. Thank you all for like everything that you do, how you support us. Like we, like this, I just, I can't wrap my, my brain around how traumatic this can be for, for you all. And you know, the world in general, like I just, it's just, it's scary. I, one of the reasons why I was like off Twitter for a while is because I just felt like it was like information overload. Like when this first like broke news, I was obsessed with like doing research around this. And like, this is like late February, early May. And before that, like, you know, I had booked a trip to go to Thailand with some of my friends for my birthday. And then, you know, we started seeing like cases in Thailand going up a little bit and you know, we were like, absolutely not. We're not doing it. We're not going there. We're not going to risk it. And maybe within like just a couple of weeks, like it just continued to like burst and just continued to, to expand. And um, I still was, you know, selfishly like, now nah, I'm still going to celebrate my birthday. Fuck out of here. I'm going to do something. I booked a trip. <laughs> with my boyfriend to Colombia, and it was amazing. I, I loved every bit of it, but we were so lucky with the timing of when we went and when we came back, because I kid you not, as soon as we came back, maybe a day later, the United States was talking about how um, corona envi- coronavirus is about to impact our, our, our country. And yeah, it's just, it's terrifying. I'm just very grateful to be to be alive and to be healthy and I'm very grateful that I have family members who are alive and well friends who are alive and well their their family their friends you know um it's just it's just real man it's real it's real <sighs> wow it's almost an hour I did not anticipate to to talk this long but if you are still rocking with me thank you like, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for still listening to me and listening to me vent, listening to me share my story and how I've, you know, gotten to where I'm at now, where my mind is. I literally am looking at an email thread of like all the things that I wanted to talk about. And I probably touched upon like, like three things <laughs> out of this entire list. Um, but I mean, there's, we're in quarantine. We're we're locked up. We're we're inside. There is no reason why now I cannot produce content. Um, a studio is not getting in my way. I am the studio. I'm here with my mic. I'm here with my new little Beats headphones. 
you know, I'm using this system to record this remotely. I'm not going to plug them right now just in case that they don't work in the next week during this free trial. But if it does work out, I'd be more than willing to share the information with y'all. But let me give this a little test run first before I start praising them and helping you guys um, or helping them increase their stock because, nah, trial and error first, trial and error. Um, but yeah, and what, oh, the one thing that I, the one last thing I did want to talk about, um, yeah, as I look at this list, I'm like, but these are separate episodes. Like, we need to talk about this in another episode. Um, the, the idea of feeling stuck, it's so, it's like so easy to, to feel like you are not moving the dial in your life, in your career, in your creative career, anything of the sort, when you are stuck like scrolling on social media and just comparing yourself to everyone else. Like, not even gonna hold you. And like one of my really good friends said it on um, her Zoom meeting earlier today. She was just saying how like, there are some people who are like, I follow on social media. Like I see their content but like, I just mute them because, you know, their content makes me feel a way. And she was explaining the fact that like, you know, it's not from a place of jealousy or anything like that, but from a place of feeling like, damn, like they are always up. They're always doing amazing things. And I don't want this to inhibit how I feel about myself. Um, and while I don't have anyone on mute, I felt that though. And I, I've, felt like, you know, there are people that like I follow that I look at that like, it just seems like everything they're doing is a win. Like everything's a highlight. They got this new job. They landed this person for an interview. They did this. They did that. They saved this. They did this. They got that. They went here. And it's just like, it's so, it's just, it's just like one of those things where it's like, if you feed into this and allow this to take away from your own self-confidence and your own your own concept of like what you're capable of doing, you're always going to be miserable. And I found myself being in a very stuck and miserable place for a long time. Like even before this quarantine, like I realized one thing about myself, especially now, is that like I have suppressed a lot of things and have done a lot and like have involved myself in a lot to like essentially run away from my problems. And I'm I'm being real. Like I would be so busy. Like I would have, uh, you know, be at work. And if I'm not at work, I'm doing a CCNYC event. If I'm not doing a CCNYC event, I'm, you know, going to the studio to do a podcast. And if I'm not doing that, I'm getting home late at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, and I'm eating dinner late and I'm, you know, falling asleep late. And, you know, I just was like running away from the things that I was not happy about, about myself, about, you know, how I was feeling, what was going on in my life. And busyness is not an an answer. It's not a solve. Like that's, that's not how we're going to win this game at all. Like that's not how this is going to work. And I really feel like the first step into kind of like dismantling that is, taking a break, taking a social media break, as cliche as it sounds, but like, dog, like, it's serious, it's real, like, I kid you not, 
like two or three weeks ago, I did decided to do a 72-hour social media break over a weekend. And I stopped using social media at 12 p.m. on a Friday. And I told myself, you are not allowed to use social media again until 12 p.m. Monday. Um, and the only instance where you are able to use it is if you need to go on the platform to go into the direct messages or DMs, or whatever, and connect with somebody or communicate with somebody. But you are not allowed to mindlessly scroll and look at your feed because all it's going to do is upset you and, um, you know, make you compare yourself to others um, and make you feel like you're worthless. Do not do it. And if you do do it, count how many times you did it. So I did that. And, you know, the weekend was passing through. I, while I wasn't on social media a lot and I did spend a lot of time like doing research and just kind of, you know, handling projects that I haven't been putting off for a long time, in the moments where I did log onto social media and I was mindlessly scrolling, it was like a deep cut every single time. And like, <laughs> to be honest, there was like one moment where I logged into Facebook and I don't ever go on Facebook. I don't even know why I was on Facebook. I think I was just that motherfucking bored. I went on Facebook and I saw two baby announcements and a proposal. All from people that, like, you know, I had been connected with, you know, in my past life. Like, these are people that are, like, I look at, look at Facebook as, like, a time capsule. So, like, people who are, like, from high school or middle school or, like, college or whatever. I just remember looking at that and I started bawling. I was like, oh my God. And I was at the kitchen table with my mom. My mom was like, what's wrong? And I was like, this isn't going to happen for me. I thought that like I was going to get married and have kids soon. And like, it's just not working out. And I just was like, so dramatic. But it was a real feeling. It was a real emotion. And, you know, um, you know, my ex had like just broken up a couple weeks before that. I just was feeling really, really low. And I was like, yep, there goes that comparison again. There goes that, that, that fear. There goes that, that feeling of feeling stuck. Like, this is why social media can be so detrimental to us. It's like, it was, it's almost like it was created to kind of like, rip us apart and make us competitive. And I hate that because the way that I look at social media is like a, a tool for connectivity, not for competition, but so many people, I mean, you know, including myself, not going to sit here and take myself out of it, have used it for a sense of competition. And it may not even be on some like, y'all bitches ain't got shit on me, but more so of like, look at this accolade. Oh, look at this feature. Look, I just got featured in Refinery29. Like, look at me. Oh my God. Thank you so much. You know, like while, you know, I'm proud of those things and of those moments, it's like, what do, what do we really gain from like pushing out those features? You know, like what, like what do we really gain and like, how does it make other people feel? You know, like, and I'm not saying this to say that like, I will never share an accolade again, or I will never share an accomplishment again, or that you shouldn't at all. But it just makes, it just puts us in these like weird positions of like, you know, maybe making somebody else feel un uncomfortable or making somebody else feel like, damn, like this is working for her. It's not working for me. And like, it's just so crazy when like people 
come to me and they're like, I love what you're doing. And like, I just want your help. Like, can you tell me how you did this? Or can you mentor me? It's just like, bruh, what? I don't even, I need a mentor. First of all, I don't have a mentor and I don't know. I really don't feel like I know what I'm doing. Maybe I do, but I just, I feel so lost. So for me to feel lost and for someone to, to, to try to find themselves through me is like so rewarding and it's so, it's such an honor but it just, it really just makes me think like, like what? Like, oh my gosh, you guys, does my life look that great on social media? Because I am having a panic attack. Like I had a panic attack 10 minutes ago. Like what? Like, you know, so it's just a lot to think about, but I don't want to chat too much longer. Um, cause it is one in the morning. I am getting a little tired. Um, there are things that like I'm really, really excited to talk about this season that I'm just looking at from just the topics that I wrote down for this episode um, alone, but like definitely can be episodes like by themselves, like di- uh, an episode about discipline and the lack thereof. I have no discipline and I have to teach myself what discipline really looks like across the board. Also, you know, finding sisterhood in like, you know, especially in a big city, like, you know, I, like I've had some like amazing friends, you know, from, you know, years ago that I'm still friends with now, but I've made some really, really amazing friends recently too. And it's like, yo, like sisterhood, like really, really can make or break how you feel about yourself, how you, you know, how you operate in the world, like just having a strong support system that just isn't your family or just isn't your man or just isn't your shorty, like means like everything. So yeah, sisterhood, brotherhood, like that's real. Like definitely gotta talk about that. And then also this last bullet point (laughs) was how I've never had a lit New York City summer and now I won't ever have one because of this damn shutdown. So you know, I am a little a little bitter about it because I like tweeted something a couple months ago, like how if my city, my New York City summer is not lit this summer, I'm moving. And all my friends were like, shut your bitch ass up, like you're not moving. But I like I was very serious because everyone always says that like New- there's nothing like New York City summers. And guess what I had been doing all summer long? Working. And just coming home and eating Uber Eats with my AC on. And I'm just thinking like, yo, like, is it like, do I not have friends? Like, do people not invite me out? Do people not find me to be a good time? Like, am I not fun? Am I not lit? Like, why? Like, you know, so I just was like frustrated. And I was just like, yo, like, this got to be it. And something in my spirit was telling me that this summer was about to be fire. And coronavirus came and she was like, "Uh uh-uh, sis, sit your ass down. So, you know, I don't even think that a summer will happen. A New York City lit summer is definitely not happening. Um, But I think there is a lot to be said about how we're readjusting um, and living socially distant with one another. So definitely think that could be an episode too. Um, But yeah, This was amazing. 
this also felt very therapeutic. Did not know that doing a solo episode like this would feel this great. I'm like really excited to listen back to it. I hope I don't sound too crazy. I hope that if you did listen to this um, thoroughly that you felt like, you know, you you gained something or you pulled something away from this that you found to be um, important to you or impactful or, you know, a lesson that you can learn or something that you can take with you. You know, share this episode with your friends if you were inspired by it. Um, you know, as always, I appreciate each and every one of you for rocking with me all the way through season four. But yeah, if this is your first time listening to it, welcome. Um, I'm excited to have you as a listener. I'm excited to grow with you because I'm not going to sit here and spew facts at you like I've lived this uh, luxurious life and I have all the answers and I know everything. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not who my guests are. I But I do bring on people who, you know, are more experienced than me or subject matter experts in their said topic or, you know, we're growing together. So this platform was created to make you feel like you have a sense of belonging, that you are understood and that you are heard. Um, yeah, like I see you, my sister. I see you, my brother. Like we out here together, you know? So yeah. All right. That's enough. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Make sure to subscribe to uh, Bonnets and Durags on Apple Podcast and Spotify. We are also on Spotify now too and Stitcher and Google Play for all of my Android users. It has taken me so long to, um, you know, get the platform on all of these other streaming platforms, but I'm super excited. We're here now. So share this with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Make sure you follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Bonnets, do-rags, B-O-N-N-E-T-S, D-U-R-A-G-S. Or you can go on our website because we have a website now. It's bonnetsanddurags.com, literally how it's spelled out, B-O-N-N-E-T-S-A-N-D-D-U-R-A-G-S.com for everything Bonnets and Durags related, um, the podcast, the event, the the merch, the shirts, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, super excited to talk to you guys in the next episode. So looking forward to this season. Take care, everyone. Bye.